as we look at Paul and winning the war within and the book of Romans, I'll be honest with you. When I was going through the series, I found it a little heavy. You see, I'm a simple guy for my friends who know me well. I'm easy, I'm simple. So when it came to the book of Romans, I realized there's a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of big words. And for, for some moments, I'm like, wow, that's, that's hard to digest. It's not as easy to process. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a simple person. But as I prepared and I unpacked his words, here are some quick context that might help you appreciate and love it better because to be honest, after I spent hours and hours and hours of getting ready to, to deliver God's word today, I have a beautiful and higher appreciation of the book of Romans. So some things that helped me would be these things. First is it's a letter, and we need to appreciate that it's a letter, not like the one that you know, Paul's mom was knocking about, but really, when you write a letter to someone, it's personal. It's not like here's a generic manual book, basahin mo yan. He really intended it for this audience. He said, hey, hey, I wanna tell you something personal from me to you. That changes things for me because I like things personal. I don't like things generic. So I love that perspective. So in a very real sense, when Paul brings this to us now, as he wrote it to the Romans, God is speaking to you saying, hey, hey, I have a personal message for you. Whether you've already been part of the series or you are new and a guest, God wants to speak to you personally. So I love that perspective. And guess what? Paul has not actually met this church yet, and he did not plant it. It was probably planted by people who came from the day of Pentecost. And as they did, they went off to Rome. But Paul had not, up until this point, been able to meet them. He hadn't been able to plant this church. So he's writing to them, trying to help give them some perspective because he's not sure if all of the data they have, all the information they have are really from Jesus. So the people he's speaking to are part of the most powerful city in the world. So Rome is an empire. And as Rome is the empire, the capital is Rome, the city, and he's speaking to the people in that city. So that's why, I was like, that's why, since it's the most powerful city in the world, the level of intellect, the kind of conversations he has to have with them has to be very well thought through. Are you following me so far? And that's why it seems like it's such heavy lifting for people like me. I'm not as, you know, maybe smart as my brothers-in-law or Pastor Peter or the pastors preaching. I'm a simple guy. So when I frame it like this, I'm like, oh, now I understand. He has to do that. And the people in Rome at the city that he's speaking to are about a million people and there are many slaves. So I want you to appreciate that context as he writes even the passage we will unpack. And this is interesting. He writes the letter in about 50 or so AD. He sends it off. And then in about 60 or so AD, Emperor Nero begins the persecution of Christians. So that's important. Why? The text we're gonna cover is gonna look at suffering and challenges. So this context helps me better appreciate it. So I hope for many of you who are like me, you like things simple. It helps you contextualize it. It's personal for Paul. He hasn't met them, so he has to help clarify things. And they're very high-level folk, even if there's mixed, and you have some uh, slaves and persecutions about to happen. So God in his wisdom is allowing Paul to prepare them. So here's what he does in Romans. The whole set of Romans is broken down like this, right? And as a quick review, we've already done this, sin. What's wrong with that? We've already looked at the solution. And the word that we remembered is justification, right? So Jesus did that. He paid the price for our sins. That's this. We're now here. We're in sanctification. And we're winding that down with chapter 8. 
Last week, my brother-in-law, Paul, talked about the power. Can everybody say power? So how or where do we get the power to live righteously, sanctification? As I am still living right now, I have some challenges. I go through things. I still struggle even if I've been justified, even if I am already saved by Jesus. I still have struggles. And as I battle these things and I try to win this, we have power from where? What did we learn last week? We have power from the Holy Spirit to win. Can everybody say Holy Spirit? So we have the power to win from the Holy Spirit. Today, as we continue chapter 8, I have the privilege of delivering a message that talks about, well, Edric, I, I know I have the power, but how do I endure? Bro, hindi mo alamang dinadaanan ko eh. There's so many things that's happening to me right now. And yes, I know I have the power, but how do I endure? What will keep me going? What will motivate me? I have great news for you today. That's exactly what we will unpack. The motivation to endure is glory. I love that word. And I've fallen in love with that word as I've studied it and as we will unpack it in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 27. So the whole message for all those that are watching this right now online to everybody live here or those that are watching it on demand is this whatever you might be going through right now to motivate you to help you endure look forward to glory can you all look at someone beside you and say look forward to glory go and if your name is glory so look forward to glory we're gonna unpack it this way so that we see clearly how to follow the scripture, 8, 18 to 27, we're gonna look at four aspects. Future glory is decay-free. Future glory is inexplicable joy. Future glory is a promise of so much more. Future glory gives us hope. And then we're gonna kind of open and close this with verse 18 by setting the whole thing up and then closing it with a wonderful bonus. Are you guys ready? Let's pray as we come into God's word. Father, we thank you for this privilege once again, as, as Judah said, to gather and how there's so many parts of the world that are going through so many things and we have the freedom to gather like this. And so as we, we come together, we pray that we will, not, we will not take this for granted, that you will clear our hearts and minds from any distractions, that we might be ready to hear your words and let that not just inspire and encourage, but to really transform us. That is our prayer. I pray that even for myself, Father God, that we all leave here transformed by your Holy Spirit, ready to carry on whatever it is you have for us. So thank you once again for this privilege. We look forward to seeing and hearing and being changed by your words, Jesus, looking forward to glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So the first thing we want to do is look at the opening verse 18. Can you all read this with me? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So this opening verse is our memory verse, actually, for the CCFers that follow the memory verse, and this sets the tone for the whole message today. Look at what Paul is saying. He is saying the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be carried compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What does this mean? I looked at the Greek of the word sufferings, and sufferings here is the word pathema. And pathema basically means it's something external. It's a suffering, a misfortune, a calamity, an evil, and affliction. And when I think about that, I want you all to ask yourself right now, am I going through that right now? 
is God wanting to say something very personal to me? Because that's me right now. There is a misfortune, a calamity, an evil, an affliction, maybe even on your body that's happening and you're asking God for answers or maybe you know you have the power but you're like, Lord, it's hard today. It's really hard. So as you're thinking about that, this is the opening context of Paul. He's saying, hey, all of you Romans and to all of us now, here's a message for you. I know that maybe some of you are slaves reading this and you're really going through some difficult times back in that day. So here's the context. He's setting it up. He's saying that's, that's you if this is the suffering. And to help us appreciate this suffering, he says this. He says, I want you to remember something. And this is something not often talked about. Something not often talked about in churches and something that shocked me also when I was studying this. If we backtrack a little bit, he said, suffering and glory, he says in verse 17, if you are children, your heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, he says this, he says, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Suffer, if indeed we suffer, that, we, that may, we may be glorified with him. What is this verse saying? I found it very interesting that when you look at the paraphrase, it basically says this, if we are to share in this glory. The Bible says we must share in suffering. So I was shocked when I saw that, that we must suffer. And so I asked myself, what does that mean? So let's say we, we dealt with a couple who there's a husband and wife and this person wants to have a relationship with that um, married wife or married husband and this person is suffering because they can't make that work. Is that what the Bible's talking about? No, no. The suffering that we must go through is unpacked in the next, in these other verses, these other contexts in Scripture. So here's what suffering uh, the Bible describes, right? It talks about it here. John says, if you are of the world, Jesus is speaking, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world, what does the Bible say? hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So the suffering that the Bible describes here is not when you're doing something wrong and the consequences of it are what you're experiencing, but it's when you are actually following Jesus. And as a result of following him, some people are literally persecuted. And as we finish celebrating beyond and the amazing ministry that we've seen and the people who are all over the world in places where they haven't even heard Jesus, there is some very real persecution happening right now. For us in our local context, I met a guy very recently who was from a major religious sect in the country. And as he decided to follow Jesus, that sect was persecuting him. Up until this day, they will not let him go. They lambast him. They talk about his name in their sect. That, friends, is this kind of suffering that Paul is talking about. When we choose to follow Jesus, there will be suffering. We need to embrace this reality but not be defeated by it. Are you with me? So this is the suffering that it talks about. There could be persecution, right? Maybe there are some students who are listening to this call also, and you have a conviction about your faith and following Jesus, and that makes you unpopular, or you get persecuted in your school because of the choices you make that are of God, that are following Jesus. Hey, hey, that's all right. That's part of the journey. Persecution, this kind of suffering is part, as Jesus is saying before, and I'll be honest with you, before I decided to follow Jesus, I was one of those. I had a cousin 
who was a, a believer, a follower of Jesus. And I would knock her and mock her and say, why do you believe that stuff? That doesn't make any sense. That was me, very much like a Paul, where I didn't realize what I was doing was completely blinded. So persecution is real. That's the suffering that the Bible talks about in this context. It also tells us for all of us CCFers in our DNA is to go make disciples of all nations, following Jesus, discipling. Remember what Jesus said, if we wanna do that, hey, if anyone wishes to come after me, what does the Bible say? It'll be great, journey, bed of roses, everything will be perfect, your life will be perfect. Is that what the Bible is saying? No, I was reminded once again that suffering is part of the journey. We must take up our cross, the Bible says. It's not an easy journey. But like I said, that should not defeat us. So I, let me unpack this a little bit. Suffering in the context, when you look at it here, so it might not be persecution necessarily, but it could be as we follow Jesus, there might be struggles. You know, we were working with some couples and their discipleship group family, and you know, they were very honest and saying, bro, this is hard. It's hard to be faithful and discipling people when, when people and there's conflict and you know people are hurt and you're trying to unpack all of that. And I was reminded of this, this principle once again that has been taught to us even by my discipler, Pastor Peter, and, and the journey that I've had with the Lord is when you follow Jesus and you deal with people, people are messy. So there will be struggle, there will be challenges, and it's part of the journey, taking up our cross. Um, I like what John Ortberg said once upon a time that really impacted me. He said, once we start serving God and following him, when you deal with people, one thing that will help you is when you remember that everyone is weird. Can you look at the person beside you and say, you're not so weird, go. So this is part of it. Because people are weird, people are different, you deal with people, there, there is struggle. And maybe some of you are like that, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm following God right now, I'm serving, I'm doing this, and it's, it's messy. There's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain, but that's part of the journey. Or maybe some of you are doing business, and in your business, you're trying to do the right thing. You're saving your company, and you wanna do the right thing, or you're trying to pay the right taxes, and your business or your experience is suffering, but you wanna follow God, and you're trying to do the right thing as God has designed. Well, guess what? That experience of suffering, welcome to the club. It's part of the journey as we follow Jesus, as we do the right things, part of doing that, there will be struggle. That's what the Bible is telling us. That is the context. It's not when we're doing something wrong and we're not following God and therefore that, that's not this context right here. So this is important. And here's a question. If you are a follower of Jesus right now and you have not experienced persecution, you have not experienced struggle, then you wanna really ask yourself, am I really following Jesus? Because the Bible is very clear as Paul opens up, part of the journey of following Jesus is the suffering and is the struggle. Are you guys following me so far? So ask that hard question, maybe you're playing it safe and you're not really going out there and as a result, you're not experiencing the gains that God wants to give you, but at the same time, you're not experiencing any of these things. So you wanna ask again that hard question because every follower of Jesus will experience some form of suffering. That's what the Bible tells us. But wait, there's more. Obviously, that's not what the Bible focuses on. The whole focus of this message is the reason we can endure that, even if it is part of the journey, is because of what? We can look forward to 
Can I hear the word from you all? Glory. So let's look at that. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. When the Bible says it's not worthy to be compared to the glory, what is this glory? I love this word. Like I said, I've been falling in love with this word. It's such a beautiful word. Glory in the Greek is the word doxa. And I'm getting emotional as I think about the implications of this because I too, I have my own struggles. And for those that saw the last preaching I made, I broke down. I'm not going to break down now. But there are these real challenges and struggles as we follow God. So what helps keep us going, what motivates us to endure, even if there's no solution right now, is the hope of glory. Lord God, glory, the state of blessedness into which all of us who follow Jesus are to be able to enter when everything is said and done here. So either when I die, I will be in heaven, glory. Or when Jesus comes, If he comes first, then that will happen before I die, then that's glory. Are you guys following me? That's what this is. So the anticipation of, all right, God, you know what? I might not have any relief right now. And for some people right now, that might be your story. You might not have any relief right now from that suffering or struggle. I don't have any words to give you, but the Bible does. It's saying, hey, hey, look forward to glory. So let's unpack that. What I found beautiful about this verse or this, this Bible set is Paul says, why? Why should we look forward to glory? And here's, here's a little bit of a, a perspective that we actually looked at together during the anniversary of CCF, which uh, Pastor Peter preached to us, right? It said this, momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So I want to give you one last thing before I carry on and finish the setup here. A great picture of looking forward to glory even while they're struggling is Stephen. Remember Stephen? And coincidentally, as Stephen was being persecuted, who was right at his feet? Paul. So I can imagine that when Paul's writing this, I'm not saying this is exactly what happened, but he's thinking, there was this guy, Stephen, and something happened to him. Let me read to you what happened to Stephen. It's awesome. So when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at Stephen. This is Acts 7, verse 54 onwards. But being full of the Holy Spirit. Look what happens to Stephen. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this. He gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. So this guy is struggling. They began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside the robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees. I want you to see this beautiful depiction of Stephen. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, I love how the Bible says this, he fell asleep. Isn't that so beautiful? I look forward to glory, God. I see you and therefore I can endure this right now, this stoning, because I know I'm going to be with you. Are you guys with me? Such a beautiful picture of how you don't have a solution out of the suffering necessarily, but the glory will take you through. So thank you 
Paul for bringing that up us, to us and the story of Stephen. So Paul was right there, and I can imagine he's thinking about this, right? So this is the setup. The setup, verse 18 tells us, look forward to glory. One more time, look at the person beside you and say, look forward to glory, go. Look forward to glory. Why? So when we look at the Bible, you're going to see a lot of these openers saying for, for, for. And Paul is unpacking that because he's saying because, because, because. The reason we can look forward to glory, why will that help us endure or why will it motivate us is because of the following things. The first is future glory is decay-free. Let's look at 19 to 21. The Bible tells us for the anxious longing, so future glory will help you endure. He now says, because for, because the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. They're waiting eagerly. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. All right, so big words, guys. Let's unpack this. What it's saying to us in this first point is this. When we look at glory, all of creation, it says, creation is also waiting eagerly for this glory. Now, why? Why would creation be waiting eagerly for this glory? If you remember, in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve messed up, they sinned. What did God do? He cursed the ground, creation. And as a result of that, there's now decay, death, destruction, which didn't exist prior to that sin. So because God cursed creation, then creation is waiting eagerly now saying, hey, we can't wait for this curse to be lifted. Are you catching that? Isn't that so awesome? All of creation is waiting eagerly for this same moment to be set free. It says that the creation itself will also be set free because we will be set free from slavery to corruption, from death and decay of this body, and so will creation as well. I found that so cool that all of creation will no longer decay, be destroyed. Everything will be perfect once again. Isn't that awesome? It's not just us. We'll be freed from death and decay, but all of creation, and that's why they are waiting eagerly. They're like, hey, come on, let's go. Let's go. I can't wait. All of I don't know how they're actually saying that. I can't imagine trees talking, right? Or the ocean or the birds or the dogs, even if we see so many cartoons. But let me give you an interesting verse later in Revelations. I want you to catch this. Interesting verse in Revelations, all right? Book note that. In the meantime, they're all anticipating the same glory. And this slavery to corruption is the curse of death and decay in our body. So what are we learning once again? We can look forward to glory because the future glory is decay-free. There's no more decay, even in our bodies. I love how Philippians tells us it will transform our body, right, from our humble state into conformity with the body of God's glory, the body of His glory, it says, by exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. This is pretty straightforward, but let me unpack a side story related to this. My wife, I love her, and I... I got this idea from her. She, because of her surgery many years ago, she had her um, reproductive system completely removed. So even if apparently she still wants to have kids, I don't. She would have wanted to have more kids, right? Guys, it's crazy, my wife, but I love her. So you would have wanted to have more kids, right? Wow. 
Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. But anyway, so my wife's reproductive system is gone. And as a result of that surgery, it was a a lot more complicated. She lost part of her large intestine and a a part of her lower uh, rectum. So those major parts have basically created a lot of internal concerns for my wife and even unrest for her. And, you know, I, I honestly don't have the tools. I don't know how to deal or talk and comfort my wife when she says, honey, I don't know. There's something wrong with my digestive system. I, I, I can't seem to, to feel normal about it. I'm bloating. And a part of the trauma of what happened to her flashes back in my mind. And quite frankly, I don't know what to do or say to her. Now, I know this scripture, but God bless her mom. You know, one of our go-to moves is when I cannot find a way to comfort my wife, she'll go to mom, and for some reason, voila, things are great. So she went to mom one day, and she goes, mom, I haven't been able to go for six days, and I'm very concerned about my health again, and she was kind of spiraling downwards, getting very concerned. I did not know what to tell my wife, so my mom-in-law, God bless her, she looked at Joy, and she said the following, she said, okay, Joy, and Joy's going on and on about, you know, my health, my body, I don't know what I'm going to do, I I don't know why this is happening to me. As she's saying all these things, she's very concerned. She looks at my mom-in-law, and my mom-in-law says, well, Joy, what's the worst case that will happen here? You know, she's just trying to process it. And Joy goes, well, I I will die. And then my mom-in-law goes to, well, then what happens when you die? And she goes, well, I will be in heaven. And then my mom-in-law looks at her and says, that's great. It's so simple, right? But apparently that worked for my wife. She's like, huh, that's right. Glorified body. No more problems with digestion. I'll be in heaven forever. Now, I want to be very, very sensitive here. That's a digestive issue, which is pretty serious implications for my wife. But some of you are going through some major, major pain and suffering. And although, like my wife, I don't have any answers for you. I don't know what to say. I'm just a messenger. Part of what God is saying, hey, You might not have a solution right now to what you're going through, but guess what? You can look forward to glory because then no more problem, decay-free. Right, so let's move to the next one. Future glory is inexplicable joy. So as we've seen that, so Paul is saying, hey guys, guess what? Look forward to glory because it'll be decay-free. He carries on and he says, you know what? It's inexplicable joy. I like how the Bible says, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth. It suffers the pain of childbirth. How many of you are moms? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, please. Higher, 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 please. Higher, higher. I want you all, everybody, take a look at all the mom's hands right now. And if you're online and you're with a mom, I want you to look at them and say, I love you. Thank you for bearing the pain of childbirth. Go. So the reason why this is so interesting is because the Bible could have used many other analogies to talk about looking forward to glory. But instead it says for... So here's another reason why we can look forward to glory. The whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth. What does that mean? Why childbirth? Well, here's the beautiful insight. Childbirth is not pain without relief. Childbirth is pain because moms are so excited about finally seeing their baby. And I have six kids. We would have had more. As uh, you heard uh, my wife affirming there on the side, These are a photo of our kids as they were babies. And as I was putting this together last night, honestly, I was getting very emotional because I realized that, yeah, maybe it would have been great to have more babies. I want you to see if you can guess who these babies are. Boom. Shout it out if you know our family. That's Elijah. 
It's our firstborn. Boom. It's Tiana. She's sick at home right now. So baby, if you're watching this, daddy's saying hi. I love you. It's number four. This is Titus. <laughs> He's our number three boy. He was our biggest, super fat. Not very fat anymore. This is number two. This is Eden. Oh, Eden, growing up so fast. And this is Catalina, who's also not well, so she's at home. She's our number five. So baby, if you're watching this, daddy's saying hi. And our last one, our baby girl, Kaylee. So if you're watching this, kids at home, I love you. Daddy's saying hi to you. Aren't you blessed that mommy was able to birth all of you? The reason I'm sharing this, it's not easy to go through the pain. I was there in each of the births. I saw my wife struggle. And it's real, you know, when they say that you have one foot in the grave. And my wife is tough. None of that, uh, I don't know the exact term, but the anesthesia, you know, that you put so that you don't feel anything. Uh, she just had one locally when they were cutting and getting the baby out. I'm sorry for the gory detail, but that's all I know. Again, I'm a simple guy. So I got emotional because I thought about how it was so painful. I saw her struggle through it. It's not an easy task. And that's why I sincerely said to all the moms here, I salute you. But I look at the joy when you finally hold that baby. Each time that my wife gave birth to each of the kids, I looked at the baby, I looked at my wife, I looked at the doctor, I got to hold the baby. Oh, there's just no words to describe that feeling of finally holding that baby in your arms. Just like this moment when my wife, you know, this is a real smile. It's very hard to look for archives of photos. So I found the best smile I could of my wife acting all joyful because it was joyful. I saw her face like, ah, there's so much relief, so much satisfaction, and this deep delight. And wow, here's another baby. There are no words to describe that moment. For all the parents here, the first baby you held in your hands, can you agree with me? There are no words to describe that joy. Inexplicable joy. Look at the faces of the Lolos and Lolas in our first baby. And look how young they were back then. Ayan, no? Ayan. So look, oh, grabe. So young. They still look like that today, right? Yes, my parents. So the joy that people experience is inexplicable. And guess what, guys? This is just human childbirthing. The reason the Bible uses this as an analogy because it says, the Bible says, in your presence, when I'm finally with you, God, in glory, there will be fullness of joy. Can you all say fullness? So do you see why Paul is so passionate about sharing this message and why I'm also so passionate about sharing it to all of you? We can what? Look forward to Glory. What more eternal joys, right? So can you look at the person beside you once again? Say, look forward to glory. Look forward to glory. Let's keep going. So we've seen that future glory is decay-free. It's inexplicable joy. It also says future glory is a promise of so much more. What does this mean? The Bible tells us as we carry on, so for, for, and then it says, and also, or not only this, not only those things, what you saw, looking forward to these things, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. Why would the Bible use first fruits? Can anybody tell me what are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Anybody? I'm looking at our DFAM here. Anyone? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Good job, CCF. Good job, fam. So we know the fruit. But why would the Bible say first fruit? So when I unpack this, some of the scholars were saying, you know why? Even if, and look at the heart of God, even if suffering 
is part of following Jesus. He gives us a taste of glory. That's why it's a first fruit. We fail to realize that the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. There's so many things He can unleash in us, but He said, I'll give you nine fruit for now as a taste. Can you imagine what it might be like when we're finally in glory? I cannot imagine. But that thought is what will compel us forward. I'm going to give you a taste of goodness. The Bible tells us, I want you to taste and see that I am good. Hindi siya magtitis ka lang. Di ba? Suffer, suffer. Of course not. That's not how God is. That's not His perfect will. His perfect will for us is a good God. He loves us. But it is part of following Jesus in this side of eternity. So as we're going through it, God is saying, hey, don't worry. I've given you reasons, but I want you to remember, I'm a good God. You can taste it. And you know what? For me, to be honest with you guys, part of my greatest joy on this side of eternity are moments that I share with some very special people in our lives. And I tell this to them every time we go through these things because I get a taste of God's goodness. So this is our, what we call our DFAM, our discipleship family. These are the people we have the privilege of discipling. And this is my family, our kids that we showed you earlier. And you know, my greatest joys in this life is when we serve Jesus together. When I see my kids, you know, talking to their other friends about Jesus and helping them grow, when I see our disciples and their lives change as dads will disciple their wives, even if it's very difficult, and they will be faithful in discipling other people, even if their businesses are challenged. You know, this, this the beauty of being faithful in following Jesus really touches my heart. And when I look at that, there are moments where even if we're having fun as a discipleship family bonding together, we will be faithful in worshiping God on a Sunday. We'll play a video of CCF and we'll sing together and all of our kids are sprawled out and I look at the faces of everybody and I look at that and I say, hey, hey, this is a taste of glory, of heaven someday. This is what we're gonna be doing. This is so awesome. So that's what this, the Bible is telling us. If we have a little taste now, can you imagine what it must be like in glory? That's what this is. So taste and see God's goodness. Taste these experiences. A little bit of glory now so that we will long for so much more. Are you guys with me? If you've never tasted God's goodness, if you've never had a taste of this glory, once again, you might want to ask yourself, are you really following Jesus? Because even if there is struggle, God will allow us to taste and see that, hey, anak, mahal kita. I've got you. I am a good God. Do not ever doubt that. So let's carry on. It also tells us, even as we have a taste, right, there's so much more is the, the, the main idea here. Even if we groan within ourselves, waiting, within ourselves, waiting eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. So the Bible is telling us here, hey, Part of how you can endure and stay motivated is you have a taste, but I want to give you a glimpse of what that glory looks like. There's so much more. Can you look at the person beside you and say, there's so much more. There's so much more. So he says, you wait eagerly. There's a groaning like, I can't wait. You know, I really want this to happen already. Wait eagerly for our adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. We talked about the body already. So what is this adoption of sons, Edric? I love the paraphrase in the NLT. It says, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights. 
Because right now, partial pa lang yan, parang installment down payment. So we are God's children. We have been justified and therefore we are adopted already now as we accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our life. He's paid for all our sins. So now we're in this state, but it's not fully given to us yet. It says when that happens in glory, we will give and be unleashed the full rights. What are the full rights? You know what? I don't know the full rights because I'm not God, but here's a little bit of what he reveals to us. Full rights. What do we get when we're finally in glory that we might not get now? Well, we talked about the new bodies. He also tells us you will have freedom from sorrow and pain. We look at Revelations. It says, hey, you know, some of you are going through some deep pain and deep sorrow. And he's saying, hey, I know your pain. I'm with you in your pain. Maybe you don't have a solution to that pain right now. But God is saying, you know what? Someday. Look forward to this someday where there will be absolutely no more sorrow, no more pain. These are the full rights. You're now my children, all of you. You will no longer experience sorrow, no more pain. You will wipe away every tear, how tender, from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. We talked about that. No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, just rejoicing. And that's why when you look at Romans, even in chapter 5, Paul says, I rejoice with suffering. How can he do that? He realizes, you know what? Hey, there's going to be this day someday. There's going to be this day. None of this will happen. And here's one of my favorites. If I was to be very honest and real with you, the reason I look forward to glory, doxa, is not so much what I get, but instead who I will be with. The Bible tells us as full our full rights of adopted children, we can finally be with God. I've always imagined what must it have been like for Adam and Eve to literally walk with God and say, God, bakit ba may why is there this? Why is there that? Just learning from Him, being with Him. Can you imagine what that might be like? I cannot fully comprehend, but I am so excited about that, being able to dwell with God. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is now among men and He will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be among them. You will chat and talk and say, you know, God, I was reading my Bible. Can you tell me what was that fish and Jonah? What was that about? You know, I mean, all these questions that you might have had for God, you can finally ask him and just be with him. I'm so excited to be there with him. And here's one more thing that really touched my heart. I will be dwelling with God, but the full rights I will finally have as an adopted child I will be with the king of glory. And this is what I talked about earlier, that bookmark. Look at this. Even the creation. Check this out. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, creation, around the throne and the living creatures, living creatures, creation, the elders and the number of them was myriads and myriads. You cannot count. Thousands and thousands saying with a loud, saying with a loud voice, the living creatures were talking. So this is what everything was saying. All the creation was saying this with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Isn't that so awesome? You're finally able to be with the king of glory. Jesus, I can finally see you. I can finally really bow down before you and give you what you deserve because you deserve all the glory for all that you have done for me. How could you do that? Worthy, it says, every created thing, every. Can everybody say every? Every created thing, which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, and all of them, we're all saying, 
They were all speaking. To him who sits on the throne, Jesus, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Isn't that awesome? I cannot wait for that moment. That's why we look forward to glory. There's a promise of so much more. I, the English language, any language cannot contain the description of what we might experience fully as kids of God in glory. So look forward to glory. This one singular message, everywhere you are listening to this message, is still one very simple, tender message from God to all of us. Look forward to glory. So we've looked at future glory is decay-free. We've looked at how it's inexplicable joy. It's a promise of so much more. We also realize that future glory gives us hope. Can everybody say hope? Hope. Let's unpack this. See how it always starts with four. So because, 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 this is why you can look forward to glory. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? If, if I know you're going to do it, I'm not going to hope. It's sure. Sure bull in Tagalog. Sure bull. But who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, glory. I don't fully see it yet. If we do not, if we hope for that, what does it say? With perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. So what are we learning here? What I love about this particular verse is it tells us, let's look at the Greek. The Greek for the word hope is the word elpis. What is elpis? You see, many of us in Filipino, what's the Filipino word for hope? Pagasa. May pagasa tayo na may bagong gobyerno, may pagasa tayo, right? We have hope that things might turn around. Or the economy, because people are coming back after the pandemic, I've talked to my banker buddy and he was telling me, hey, you know, the metrics seem to be okay. Then, hey, there's, there's hope. But the difference with that hope from this word elpis is this. When the Bible says hope, it's not 50-50, 90-10, 99 one It's 100%. It is absolutely sure. When the Bible says you can hope, elpis, it is joyful and confident expectation because if God says he will do it, what will happen? He will do it. So that's what we're learning here. When the Bible says, if we hope for glory, with perseverance, we will eagerly wait for it. Basically, what we're seeing here is how we can have a certainty in this glory. Because glory is so sure, we're able to have hope. Hope is so powerful. I was talking to a a, a consultant the other day who is a has a PhD in psychology, and he's been dealing with a lot of the cases, high-profile cases of even suicide in our country. He's working with families, he's a Christian, and he's been giving them perspective. And what I, what I heard from him I found very interesting to show you how important this hope is. He was telling me, as we were unpacking the situations, of course he did not disclose for confidential, confidential reasons, but he was telling me his learnings. He said, Edric, what I've observed in every single case of depression and even suicide is a common thread. The turning point from the moment that they say, I'm not feeling so okay, so I'm gonna take my life is the word hope. When they feel like all hope is gone, they decide to take their life. And I found that very poignant, very timely for this particular point because that's exactly why we need to look forward to glory. When we look forward to glory, we will have a hope. One that is certain, one that is expectant, 
It is not maybe or maybe not. It is absolutely sure. And if we have that hope, it allows us to overcome even dangerous situations like that. If you can tell someone you know who's going through that, say, hey, there can be hope, not in this or that. There's many different possible solutions, but you can say you can look forward to glory. This is your hope. If you have this hope, it will help you endure. So I love how it says it will allow perseverance. So how does this connect? So if, I'm, if I have hope because I, I know the glory and it's certain I have hope, the Bible tells us we can persevere. I want us to unpack this by looking at something close to my space for the non-basketball fans here. I apologize in advance, but this is what it means. How can hope allow us to persevere? So I'm, I'm going through some challenges right now and I'm looking forward to glory and I need to endure. So if I have hope, how will I persevere? So I'm a Warriors fan for the basketball people here. I'm a Warriors, any Warriors fans? I have some Warriors fans here. I know my, my uh, uh, was I gonna say, my nephews are Warriors fans, but one of my brothers-in-law is not a big Warriors fan. Did not want the Warriors to win, but we know what happened, right? So in the NBA Finals this year, there was one particular game that I was very stressed about. Uh, a little bit of background for me. So I was born in California beside uh, Palo Alto, so that's very near. So this is really like hometown for me. You know, and there's a lot of Pinoys in that area. So Warriors all the way, Mullen, all these guys, Tim Hardaway, for those of you who don't know who I'm talking about, just think of Steph Curry. So Warriors was playing uh, Boston this year and it's like they've been losing for many years. So there's hope for them. And they're coming to the finals, game four. For those that remember game four. Game four was critical. The Celtics were up two to one. So if the Warriors lost, that would mean the Celtics would be up three to one. And for those that do not understand basketball, the championship is a best of seven. So once you have three wins, it's almost sure, especially if the opponent has only one win. So Warriors needed to win if they were gonna create this wonderful story of championship again. And the reason I'm sharing all of this is because I'm a busy guy, so I don't have the time to watch the whole game. So I'll watch highlights on YouTube afterwards, right? So as I'm watching highlights, 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 it's game four, and game four was critical because it was in the home court of the Celtics. So the, for non-basketball fans, when you're in the home court, that's generally higher likelihood they will win, right? So home court of the Celtics, there's a lot of momentum behind the Celtics, and it's 2-1, and in the first quarter, the Celtics are leading. In the second quarter, the Celtics are leading again. So coming into halftime, they're leading, and it's like, what's going on, Warriors? Come on. So this is me. I'm wanting to be stressed. I'm babaw ko, no? I want to be stressed and concerned because the Warriors are not gonna win, and if they lose, 3-1. But let me tell you a little secret. What did I say? I watched the highlights, which means the game is done. So when I was watching game four, I did not want, I tell my kids and my friends, don't tell me, don't tell me the results. So after a long day of work, I'll watch the highlights and I'll just cheer by myself, right? But this day, someone sent the results. So I found out that the Warriors won. So because they won, even if first quarter highlights, they were losing, second quarter highlights, they were losing, I was like, okay lang yan. I'm not stressed, I have peace. I am not concerned. I'm not gonna let the tension and struggle and challenges overcome me because why? 
I know the end outcome. They will win. And did they win? Yes. Did they win the championship? Yes. So I am very happy. Taste of glory. I'm just kidding. That's just basketball. But I'm sharing that. Why? Let me be real with you. This is how we can let hope allow us to persevere. When we know for certain the end outcome, all of the challenges and trials and stress and turmoil, okay lang yan. I'm not minimizing what you're going through, but I'm framing it biblically and saying, hey, you can endure because you know the end game. Are you guys with me? So, let me be a little bit more practical. So, Edric, does this mean that if I'm going to look forward to glory, I'll just sit down and look forward to glory? Kahit may problema ako, I'm going through challenges and struggles and trials. I'm just going to sit down passively. Is that what looking forward to glory means? No. I like what Dwight L. Moody says. He says, I thought when I became a Christian, I had nothing to do but just to lay my oars in the bottom of the boat and float along. But I soon found out that I would have to go against the current. What does this mean? I had to go against the current. Friends, brothers and sisters in Jesus, even as we experience struggle and we look forward to glory, hoping and persevering is not passive. We realize that we need to go against the current. We need to do our part. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.7, right? For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power. He says, you can do this. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So it's not defeat. It's like, well, I'm going I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to sit back. You know, you've got to do your part. Do what's within your control. And how do we do this? Let me give you a practical way of doing this. It, back in my TV days, I will not mention which program or which involvement, but one of the involvements I had in TV was I had to guest somebody who was very overtly LGBTQ was a supermodel in America who had Filipino roots and decided to be a transgender, so was a female supermodel, but was a man. So this gentleman was going to be a guest in this show I was going to uh, do, and as a Christian, I couldn't agree with, hey, I, I can't guess this person who was going to be talking about his platform towards LGBTQ and young people. He actually said in the brief that I got that he was here coming to the Philippines to encourage young people to choose their gender. And it's okay as early as 12 years old. As you do that, maybe even consider transgendering. So I was like, I, I, I obviously couldn't do that. I'm a Christian. These are my convictions. And I cannot espouse something like that. That is my struggle. I am a big, big family advocate, especially with biblical Christian values. So I said, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? And that particular show was paying very good money for me and my family. So I spoke to some of the folks. I tried to get some counsel. So that's also what you want to do as you're going through any struggle. You're not doing it passively. You're getting wise counsel. I also went to my Bible trying to look for solutions. How do I dis respond to this struggle? I'm following Jesus, and now there's an opportunity for me to get persecuted. And as I talked to some of the heads in that particular show, 
because it's media, then there, some of the heads were also LGBTQ. So I was so stressed thinking about how do I navigate out of this? The worst case for me is I lose that job because I stand for my conviction and I might even get lambasted and canceled maybe in social media for my choice. So I was actually very stressed. But as a reminder of this message, I said, okay, I will do what I can within my control. So I sought counsel, went to my Bible and I said, okay, Lord, if this is what it means to stand for you, to lose the income, to lose the job, so be it. So I talked to one of the heads and I said, hey, I really can't do this. Thank you. Praise God. I'm, I'm not done yet. So I talked to the heads and I said, I, I, I don't think I can do this particular episode. You know my background. You know my convictions. And it just doesn't resonate with that. I hope you understand. So I was prepared for him to say, you know what? I can't believe you're saying that to me. That's very offensive. And because of that, we're going to let you go. You have to learn to be open or whatever, right? Instead, God gave me the wisdom in that moment, the Holy Spirit, to be able to respond and said, hey, how about we do this? Since our show is focused on this topic, X, Y, Z, if this person does not focus on the topic and instead just talks about the gentleman's platform in LGBTQ and young people making the choice, then maybe we don't air it because the focus of the show is this, X, Y, Z. And you know what that head said? That's a good plan. Let's do it. So by God's grace, as a good soldier, we did the recording. We unpacked the conversation with this person. That whole conversation, 90% was about the gentleman's platform and not about the topic. So when I looked at the head afterwards, he said, Edric, we will not air it because it's not focused on our particular topic. So I praise God for giving me an exit out of that. And I share that because what am I saying again? As we persevere, challenges, struggles, standing for our faith, we need to do it actively. We cannot just say, Lord, you do something. So I went to my Bible. I sought godly counsel. That is so important on a practical note as you and I suffer. So we've looked at all of this. Future glories, decay-free, inexplicable joy, promise of so much more, gives us hope. Let's close with a bonus. I'm going to ask a dear brother here, Paul, can you come over here, bro? I love how the Bible tells us in the same way, given our theme, our whole theme of Romans and, and my, my brother-in-law, Paul, last week talking about the power to win is the Holy Spirit. So as we're finding ways to look forward to glory, the wonderful bonus that the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will help us. And this word, help, he intercedes for us, is the word, are you ready for this Greek word? Ready, set, go. Sinantilambanomai. Can you say that with me? Sinantilambanomai. So if you are looking at people like what will happen right now, you can say, thank you for sinantilambanomaiing me. <laughs> or just thank you for helping me. The beautiful picture here, and I love this beautiful picture. You know, the Bible also tells us to walk by the Spirit. Here's the beautiful picture. As you're going through whatever you're going through, you're looking forward to glory. You're doing something active also as we learned. God is saying, I've got you. My Holy Spirit will be right alongside you to take hold of you who are struggling right now. So let's pretend Paul is the Holy Spirit. This is me. I'm struggling. What he will do, what I will do, no, he will not lie now. <laughs> <laughs> so what he will do is if I'm struggling, I've got a crutch, I've got a limp, I've got pain, he will journey right alongside me. 
Thank you, Paul. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for journeying with me. Thank you for comforting me. Thank you for guiding me through these difficult moments. Thank you that I can have someone to lean on even if I'm challenged right now and as I'm going through the sufferings, you're right beside me. Thank you for doing this. Are you guys seeing this picture? So let's praise God for Paul. Thank you, Paul. That's this picture. Taking hold with another. The Holy Spirit is like that. He's saying, I've got you. Journey with me. Walk with me. I'll take you through today, tomorrow, until we will all be in glory. Look forward to glory. Look at the person beside you one last time and say, look forward to glory. All right, so here's our closing thought. Our closing thought is this. We need to remember something. For us to unleash that Holy Spirit in our life so that we might be sanctified after we are justified, so that He might walk with us as we walk with the Spirit, so that He might be that help and help us endure even while we look forward to glory. I love what Ezekiel tells us. It tells us we must have a new heart, the Bible says. As a prophecy, it says that you need to have a new heart. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, give your heart a new one, and I will put my spirit within you. And look what the Bible tells us. When God puts his Holy Spirit within us, he will cause us to walk. It's not our ability. It's not our experience. It's not us. It's actually the Holy Spirit that will cause it. We need to remember that all of the things we will be able to do to win the war within, to be able to persevere, persevere and go and have this hope. The Holy Spirit causes that. But the key, maybe there are some guests and friends who are here today and you are worried that you will not experience glory because you won't unless you have experienced Jesus, unless you have a new heart changed in you. Today can be that day that you ask God to give you a new heart. Even if you're watching online, it can happen anywhere. Lord, I want a new heart. Remove my heart of stone. Replace it so that then you can fill me with your Holy Spirit and then I can have the power to win and I can look forward to glory and endure even while I'm waiting and experience all the stuff we've talked about. Are you guys with me? Otherwise, if you're suffering, that's just suffering. It'll all be in vain. It'll even be more disastrous when your time is done. You need to have a new heart. Are you guys with me? And I like how John Piper frames it. He says, the great problem with contemporary Christian living is not learning the right things. We know these things, but how to do it right. We can't do it by our ability. The Holy Spirit has to cause this to us. So just like Paul was writing this personal letter to the Romans, imagine that God is now speaking to you as we wind down. Let me give you a final story, and we'll pray. So much of the chatter recently has been about Queen Elizabeth, for many of you that have been following, and I found this very timely as well. As I read our particular caption, when we look at looking forward to glory and enduring whatever struggles we might have. You see, Queen Elizabeth, in this post by Anne Graham Lotz, honors her. She honors Queen Elizabeth, and apparently there's a book written about her, even before she passed, the servant queen and the king she serves. I didn't know all this time that Queen Elizabeth is a follower of Jesus. So I was like, wow, that's interesting. And I found out a couple of cool things about her reign as a queen. Did you know that she is the longest reigning British monarch of all time? Did you know that she is the oldest queen that has ever lived in all of history? Did you know that over 60 plus years of work that she was actively engaging, she had no record of losing her temper, using bad language, 
or refusing to carry out a duty expected of her. What a good testimony. And guess what? She has the longest standing royal marriage of all time, lasting 74 years. Isn't that awesome? But here's what I find really awesome as far as our message is concerned. Look at how she dealt with the challenges and the struggles of her own life. I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. I draw strength from the message of hope. She looks forward to glory in the Christian gospel. Praise God. So friends, what is our message? Look forward to glory. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this time to look at your words. And as we said earlier, the privilege to help see how they can not just impact us, but transform us. And that is our prayer now, Lord. As we leave this place, may we all be changed somehow. Looking forward to glory. And Lord, as we pray this, there may be some guests of ours or some people watching this alive or even on demand that are realizing, you know what, I, I, I don't know if I can do that because I still have a heart of stone. I'm living my life on my own and I have not given my life to Jesus. I have not asked Him to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I have not surrendered that. So if you are that person, I want to invite you right now. Today can be the day. Open your heart to Jesus and make this prayer. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay for the price of my sins, even if I'm not worthy. And as he's done that, I now ask for forgiveness for this heart of stone, for not listening, for doing all these other things. And I, I, that's why I feel empty right now or lost or even if I'm experiencing things, there's still something I'm looking for. So thank you that I can now come to you and ask for forgiveness. And as I do that, I can receive what he has done. And as I receive what He has done, I can have a new heart. And the trajectory of my life will be different. I can be with you in heaven forever. And I can look forward to glory as we learn today. So thank you once again, Father God. I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I will follow Him to the best of my ability. I thank you that He is the Savior of my soul also as He has done this for me. And so once again, Lord, thank you. Today I choose that. Fill me with your Holy Spirit now that it would cause me to do the things you want and to have victory even over the possible challenges and struggles that I might face along the way. Thank you once again, Lord God. Now for all of us, once again, bless us, Lord, as we go. Help us to endure and look forward to glory so that at the end of our time, when we're about to enter heaven's gate and you see us, you will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless.